0: listening to the brand new episode of in love with the process hi come on in have a seat grab a beer relax i am your host mike pecci this is my podcast welcome to the show um what are we listening to right now who is this hold on let me check uh of course this is neon teenik i think that's how you pronounce it tenik teenik very nerdy synthwave which i enjoy thank you for listening um i am hanging out today with an old buddy of ours a new transplant to los angeles mr ian spencer is here today hello ian
1: <coughs> howdy
0: <laughs> first thing you ever say on the podcast
1: i know i don't know <laughs> mm.
0: so um if you guys don't know the history, you probably don't. I don't think I've talked about it on the show. Uh, Ian used to work with us back in Boston. How many years ago was that now? When did we first meet you? Uh,
1: I think our, our, our six-year anniversary was uh, February of this year. You think? <laughs> I know. I mean, I checked the email timestamps.
0: <laughs> Allegedly. Yeah. So Ian's been uh, hanging out with us for about six years now. And... Um, You originally were working for Gina, right? How did you get in the group?
1: Uh, Gina found, or well, Gina and I found each other on Craigslist. Oh,
0: super creepy.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. uh, uh, The missed encounter section or whatever. (laughs)
0: uh,
1: I don't even remember. I mean, I think I was just looking for work in general. Uh, I was bartending at the time, and, and, uh, and I came across a... A listing for i don't know photo assistant of of sorts and uh yeah we we met up at like a tiny little coffee shop in alston uh-huh. and uh i don't know i think i was the first person that she interviewed and then immediately afterwards she was like i don't think i need to interview anyone else <laughs> like, <laughs> i was like ooh perfect
0: it could have been that you were so amazing or that gina was just so lazy about
1: interviewing uh, people yeah i mean i think the main qualification was that like this is not a job for someone who wants to get free photos of themselves. And I was like, well, I do have a face for radio, so. <laughs> and here you are. <laughs> and here I am, isolated. exactly, you know, using my, my talents. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, so, yeah, excited to have you in space. Uh, we got a lot to talk about today. Um, Ian uh, just recently moved. So relocated across country. He drove across country from Boston to California. Mm-hmm. We'll get into that. And then, um, uh, yeah, we'll just talk a little bit about this because I I think some of the listeners will find your story interesting because you went from working with Gina and sort of doing the freelance thing to deciding that you wanted to get a full-time gig. Mm. And then I think that whole story is fascinating for folks. Um, And um, then you just worked for me on the latest Bo's House of Dragon thing. Yes. Those of you that follow me on Instagram at Mike Peccia, follow the podcast at In Love the Process Pod on Instagram. You guys saw that I was off the grid for about a week, got hired to do a really fun gig for Bose. And I'm going to get into the details of that, too, because not only is it fun to go travel. We went down to San Diego. Mm. So not only is it fun to go travel to shoot, but also this job required a lot technically from us, a lot of new technical stuff. Uh, that is a little bit different than what you're used to hearing about. So we'll also get into that on today's show. And, hold on. <laughs>
1: oh, I
0: had a hidden burp in there. And, Honestly,
1: excellent that we can expel our air <laughs> <error> on this because <laughs> that is going to happen. Yeah.
0: Oh, this is this is not NPR. This is going to happen. Yeah. This isn't NPR. Um, and uh, very excited to talk about these new sponsors. That I have been uh, teasing. Uh, And as you know, with the show, sponsors aren't just people we do ad reads for, sponsors are people that we team up with. And these are folks that are helping push my creative limits and Gina's creative limits and and Ian's creative limits at this point. Um, So we're very excited to get into that too. So strap yourselves in, strap on, strap on, (laughs) strap them on, and get ready for today's super packed episode. Um, all right, dude. Well, let's talk. How'd you get into the business? <clears throat> uh,
1: the business of photography, fil- right? film and photography. Yeah, right. Um, I mean, I started way back when I was a kid. Uh, I learned like film, like film editing and pro- processing, uh, like in a dark room and stuff at a, like, a pretty, oh, like at a pretty young age. Yeah,
0: um, so still processing,
1: uh, uh, not, I mean, I, as in, am I still processing? <laughs> no, as in like you were processing still photographs? Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like silver gelatin prints and cyanotypes and things like that. Oh, that's right. Um, yeah, it was cool. I, I don't do much of it anymore because it's expensive and you need the equipment. And you
0: uh, need the space for
1: it. But I do like the the physical me the too. physical aspect of doing it, yeah, um, yeah, like you know, messing up all the skin on your hands,
0: <laughs> and also like locking yourself in a tiny room with barely any ventilation, and just
1: like playing music and yeah. and shutting yourself off from everyone else. Yeah, yeah, I I definitely enjoy that that aspect of it. But um, yeah, so I did that. I went into school not really not expecting to <laughs> to be in the industry at all. I actually went into school to be a surgeon. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Every time I hang out with you, there's there's another piece of the history that is.
1: I like the many different professions that I almost had. Uh, so you're gonna be a surgeon? I want. I thought about being. It was like I either wanted to be a head chef and own my own restaurant, or I wanted to be. <laughs> Jesus <laughs> I want to be a surgeon, and both were going to take about the same amount of time. So, yeah. uh, I stuck with the surgeon thing because it was a little bit more, uh, um, like, acceptable at least in terms of my family and you know like what they expected for me to do. And your mom's like, like well,
0: she's a dentist, right?
1: She, yeah, she's an orthodontist. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I went to school for that and then like very quickly realized that, uh, that kind of hardcore science track, uh, not only was going to be extremely expensive, but also like soul crushing in, in a lot of ways. I mean, I, I think that it's an awesome profession and I still find it very fascinating but um, it wasn't going to be for me.
0: It, re- and then, it requires a very specific mindset to do that.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and then so yeah within like the first year of college I just started I got a camera for my birthday or not for my birthday, my graduation and uh, it was like just like kind of a crappy little Sony Alpha uh, mm-hmm. c- camera and I had my film cameras and stuff too but I had never really shot digital mm-hmm. and so I started shooting digital. I just, I had all these like freaks that I went to school with. Freaks in a good way. I mean I was one of them obviously but uh like i just had these bizarre individuals who you know and i went to a very interesting place actually in california too uh out in redlands um that's
0: right because that was another piece of information that i didn't know that you let slip out yeah, recently yeah
1: yeah i went i went to school in california uh i i sent it from one coast to the other and became a very dirty hippie for about four years <laughs> uh long hair the whole thing overalls no underwear very very hot look uh
0: <laughs> it smells hot too. yes it was not good yeah. people did
1: not want me to take my boots off um but but yeah so i just started taking pictures of friends and events and things like that and then i started working for the paper at the at the school uh-huh. um Do you and then want
0: just taking photos of yeah, different
1: events for the paper yeah yeah yeah, yeah just uh you know like spots of people who were being interviewed and things like that. So
0: you were like a little Jimmy Olsen or a little uh, Peter Parker. Yes.
1: I, yeah. I was yeah. a little Peter Parker, but without the, uh, with the, I mean, I guess at that point he was also a scientist, but uh, he actually <laughs> did something with it. Well, he also got bit by a spider, which gave him all the science. Uh, powers. <laughs> uh, yeah. He, he, he really got a, he got, he got a good, he got a good turtle, uh, fate. Yeah, sure, um, sure. And everybody around him dies and all that stuff. So yeah, it was really sweet. I mean, sweet. you know, he yeah. has to have some sort of character development. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, but yeah, so I did that. Uh, that was that. And then basically my sophomore, junior year, I had to decide what it was that I was going to do, um, because the program that I was in, uh, uh requires you to basically pick all of your classes mm-hmm. for the remainder of your, uh, uh, years at the at the school. Wow. In, in advance. Um, wow. Yeah. So you basically like you, <laughs> you you contract it all out, and because they have the syllabus, and then you have to go before like a committee, and then they approve whether or not your your uh, your your uh, trajectory is is acceptable or going imagine, to be good.
0: You, whoa, whoa, hold on. <laughs> can you imagine that in any other profession, any other business, where they're like, okay, so we're gonna lock you down for a four year contract? But you need to sign up for everything. School's supposed to be about growth mm-hmm. to a certain extent. So if you lock yourself into something like that.
1: You could make adjustments. You just had to You had to petition to make the adjustments. But basically, like, they... I mean, in a sense, I really liked it. And I think that, uh, like, education systems would be probably... More, or or the, at least the people coming out of them might have more uh, specified skill sets if they weren't taking things that were complete. I think a well-balanced or uh, well-varied breadth of work is is important, but I also Mm -hmm. think that if you're not specializing, it's going to be hard for people to, like find what they're really, really passionate about. Yeah, I mean, I'm just, I think it goes both ways. Um, it does.
0: It does. You're talking to a guy who is very cynical of one way out. <laughs> <so>. Right.
1: <Yeah. laughs> that's why we get along. <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, but yeah, so basically I had to decide what I wanted to do and I was like, okay, well, I'll, you know, I really like photography and film, so I'll do visual media. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, like science is a good thing for me to not fall back on, but like I always really liked knowing why things were the way that they were. And like, in my own mind had kind of a national G ge- I told you that like national geographic, like oh, planet yeah, right, earth. Like right. I just want to like sit in the, in the Arctic, like by myself for <laughs> 20 hours at a time with like a cold cup of coffee and just like shoot a polar bear. I'd be fine with that. Yeah. <laughs> um, but basically that's what I did. I combined visual media and science and that was that is long story short. That's how I got into uh, the quote unquote business. business. And Where? then and then within about a year after graduating college uh, was trying to do that kind of stuff piecemeal freelance and then basically met Gina about a year, year and a half, two years after that. So. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. And then you worked with her. How long did you guys work together? I can't remember.
1: Uh, about a year.
0: Yeah, it was about a year. Yeah. <clears throat> and you were helping her out in the beginning when she. Was uh still doing like some fashion. Did you do fashion stuff with her back in Boston? Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. The
1: the first thing I think like I met her, and then within like a week or two, she had that shoot at Yvonne's with uh with Kaylee and uh, oh, yeah, and, yeah. and like the yeah the the whole thing. And they hadn't even opened yet. That restaurant hadn't even I believe like started. Yeah. To to function as a restaurant, they had just like finished building it or or instituting it, and it was very cool. Um, it was a very cool experience like you know a wig a wigger or I don't know how I don't know what the <laughs> a wigger uh, a w- let's go with a wigger uh, uh, <laughs> had a
0: very different
1: yeah. connotation when I was a kid okay matur- a, ma- a matron of wigs yeah uh, okay. she had a selection of wigs <laughs> uh-huh. um, oh I do not even get that <laughs> uh, yeah not great mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah and then you know stylist and an extra extra or Jarvis was there he was helping with oh, with, with lighting and uh, yeah it was just it was it was completely different than any production that I had you know initially come in contact with at that point. So that was cool. Yeah. So she wowed cool. you. Yes, very 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 wowed. And mm-hmm. then to you know see the the result of it afterwards, and then to continue doing shoots for for that year. That year I feel like was like a a lot of stuff yeah. uh, got put into that year yeah uh, at least fashion editorially with her yeah 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 Um, because
0: she was trying to it's tough to do it in a city like boston where there really isn't a fashion industry there mm -hmm. it's very difficult and so she was just trying to build her portfolio and was hustling
1: pretty hard to do so It was definitely the right time to, at least in terms of like magazine submissions, uh, because there wasn't, there wasn't this like platform Uh, right now. There's one called Caviar, which basically like encompasses a majority of the magazines that Gina got um, uh, accepted into at that time. But now there's like a digital platform where all of them are in the same place. I mean, and yeah, now it's very, now it's very much, I mean, like, I don't want to I don't want to shit on it but like now it's very much like a money game like you pay you like every single one of those things it's like you pay like there's different levels of what you can pay and sometimes you have to pay just to submit but then there's ones like oh like guaranteed publication you know within five days if you pay a hundred dollars or if you submit you get accepted they will then send you uh, like a like a, a letter being like we love your set this was so great uh do you want the we'd love for you to be on the cover if you pay a hundred dollars scumbags, yeah.
0: scumbags.
1: I, I actually i just had a set that was accepted into one of those and and they, and they said yes and then they came back like a week later or two weeks later being like we love it and i got excited at first and then like but we want you to pay more money to to be on the scumbags. cover and then, and then they, like, didn't even put the right information in the email. They were like, oh, you have to have it in by August 28th. And they sent me this email on, like, May 15th or something like that. And and I was just like, I'll just stick with the free submission that you said was good enough at the scumbag, time. Scumbag. <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah. I mean, you realize what what's going on, right? Yeah. So print is dead.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: No. So they're not making their money on subscriptions or, or any of that stuff anymore. So now they're turning on the photographers now they're turning on the photographers to say, Hey, we think that this is valuable for you to be on this cover for this magazine that fucking no one is subscribing to other than photographers and people,
1: the people who are in it, who the people like, they basically are just making like one off copies. Like they're pay you're paying the money for like the printing costs and the person to, you know, format the magazine based on your work and stuff. But you know for the most part like you said no one is going to like a newsstand to get that like no one is is fishing through the 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 um, mag cloud uh, uh, compendium to be like oh this is the best version the uh, uh, 25 30 versions of one volume of a magazine it's only the people who are involved with it or the people who are actually in that magazine so like let's say that there's six to ten sets in each magazine and each person had to pay a hundred dollars like that's a thousand bucks right
0: there. yeah it's uh, too it's scumbaggy because at that point as a young photographer you're trying to get published with the hopes that you're going to be seen by an editor you're going to be seen by a creative director something like that and most of the time well what used to be the case is that if you were published that meant your work was great enough not only for a magazine to pay you for your work but it also established the fact that you also had the skills to go through the process of doing a shoot for a magazine, which meant <clears throat> you have the skills to work with a subject, model, whatever. You have the technical skills, which everybody that's listening as a photographer has been practicing at home and doing. But then you also have like the business skills to be able to interact and collaborate with the creative team, to be able to deliver things on time. All that stuff is the value that comes with being on a magazine, And so, like, if there's a creative director or someone that is hunting for that, they know right off the fucking bat Mm -hmm. that you've been through the system. But now, if all you have to fucking do is do a shoot on your own, on your own accord, not really account for anything, not really be interacting with a creative team, and then paying them to have it on a magazine cover, the value of that has just plummeted,
1: you know? It does almost nothing – I don't want to say it does nothing for you professionally, but like it almost, it almost does nothing for you professionally. Uh, it's, it's the, I'd say the only thing that I got out of the very first one that I got published in was like, that I could then say like, I'm a published photographer. Mm-hmm, there it is. And That's what you paid for. I'm, yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, like that was the, that was the main club. Thankfully I didn't pay. <laughs> I was like, I was like, I will not do this. I, can't. I, I absolutely cannot. Um, but, uh, yeah. I mean and 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 then you get the memento. You I mean people want to see their work f- physical. I mean there's something to be said for that. I mean and of I don't, and I don't and I don't think that there's anything wrong with that at all. I think that like when you work hard on something and you like it regardless of whether the magazine that you're dreaming of, you know, didn't want it or whatever, sure. if you can actually have a physical copy, and look back on that later and be like you know what that was a pretty good project that's that's worth it in the end i think um but it also depends on what your intention was in the very beginning like you know like yeah. did you did you do this shoot so that you could just have like so that you could spend m- money on the shoot money on the on the gas and the model and, and all that stuff and then pay the magazine pl- people to create the magazine for you like you know you, you're just hemorrhaging money at this point well, at that point you might as well just start your own publication exactly
0: and that there's something fascinating about. um, you know the way that uh, this business kind of preys on creatives and I don't want to get too deep in this because I always feel like I'm running down this path but it's very true like whether there are these gear companies out there even to a certain extent uh, in the film business uh, I even think that film festivals are preying upon uh, creatives to a certain extent because of how ridiculous the costs are when you are submitting these films. And if your film doesn't get in, then you don't get any sort of money back on this on the submission process. And they make all the money at the door for these things. And I'm not saying that a lot of younger film festivals or smaller film festivals need that cash in order for it to be up and running. But, you know, without you know a bunch of like hopeful, you know, artists that are continuously fueling their fucking income they wouldn't exist. And it's the same thing with the magazines at this point where I don't know. You, you were smart about not paying for it. Um, I used to years ago do magazine work for the Boston Phoenix before they went under. Oh uh,
1: Yeah, that's
0: right. And, um, I used to get hired to do their covers and the only real benefit to those for me, besides having the opportunity to work with like Kristen, who is the yes. amazing, um, creative director over there or art director. Um, I learned how to work with her. I learned how to work on a deadline and I learned how to do that stuff. So creatively that was really important for me. Mm-hmm. But as far as like work goes, I think I got one gig out of it, which was hired to shoot photos for the steampunk convention. Cause I had done a steampunk cover, but that was really all that I got out of. If I remember correctly. Yeah. That was really all I got out of the Boston Phoenix. It was nice. To have an image out on a magazine on a rag that everybody read mm. so like the general public would pick up a magazine and then write to me and go hey this is one of your covers and that was cool Right. Um, but you have to be real careful with it gina was smart because she did i forget the magazine but she did that b shoot for this magazine and the magazine i'm not gonna out them but they were kind of scumbaggy and they really were hands off. They weren't really involved with anything. Uh, they weren't giving her a budget for anything. And so that night before, I've said this on the show. That night before, Gina was like, "I don't want to fucking do the shoot. Why would I do the shoot? No. I don't want to do the shoot." And I was like, "Well, we get nothing else going on." And originally, they were going to do locations, and the magazine was supposed to help them pay for all that. Mm-hmm. I said, "Just have the artist come here to the house." And the benefit of that was that the artist who was B. Miller uh, got to see how Gina worked and fell in love with Gina. And because of that shoot, uh, she hired Gina to creatively direct and shoot everything for that campaign through the Mm -hmm. pandemic. So you don't really know. I just think that if you're... If you're trying to get into this business as a still photographer right now, it's incredibly tough. (laughs) It was tough when I was getting into this business. But now, like, everybody's shifting because print is dead. Mm -hmm. So everybody's shifting to shooting video stuff. And if you've seen our work for Entertainment Weekly, and if you've seen the work. It's
1: all about that TikTok.
0: (laughs) All about that stuff. And you're seeing, Gina was laughing about it the other day, you're actually seeing a lot of the stuff that we sort of established when we did Robert Pattinson stuff now becoming the norm for Vogue.
1: That's all over that's all anyone wants yeah when that that came out like it's just everywhere it's everywhere right now
0: um so anyway that was a little rant i'm off uh so then you worked with gina for a year and then what happened
1: i worked with gina for a year and then i was you know at the time because you know we were we were doing fashion shoots and like one-off gigs and stuff for you know uh, different organizations, you know, and it wasn't, wasn't paying quite a, quite a lot. So I was like, I had a lot of side gigs on the side. I was catering, I was doing my own stuff, all that shit. Um, uh, and and I, I remember like being in my room and just kind of, I don't know if I was on the phone with someone or I was talking to myself, which I do a lot. (laughs) Uh, I was just like, you know, like all I would really truly love in this life would be, a steady paycheck doing <laughs> doing what a doing it what it is that I do now but you know for money consistently
0: Dude you're not the only one there's a lot of people listening that feel the same way
1: Yeah um and so I got I got a job that I was not qualified for necessarily although to be fair like knowing what I know now I I might have been overqualified in oh. terms of like my effort um and I don't want to I don't want to bad off any, I'm gonna try to be very careful about. Not, Just be vague. I'll be very vague. I got a job working at a proto- up uh, photography a product photography uh, company. Yep. In Massachusetts, and there are many, so I don't have to name it. Uh, and and initially, it was great. Um, I I showed up. I was like I am hungry and at the time i was much younger Mm -hmm. uh i I was like i will do as much work as you need i'll work on the weekends i'll stay late all that stuff i wanted the job Mm -hmm. and they needed someone like me who was hungry
0: well without giving too much details away this was one of those companies that uh wanted to sort of package wanted to sort of take the industry or take the photography world and package it in, in a very affordable price for smaller companies. So if a company was to go to a standard photographer and find out what their real rates were, they could go to a company like this and get a very much discounted rate with the idea that this company would get all of the fucking clients so that they would still accumulate what they needed for income, but they did it at a discounted rate for them.
1: There was a lot of problem. I mean, there was a lot of problems with just like how the business model worked. Um, like in theory, it's it's just it was like a larger scale version of like photographer to photographer competition. Yeah, you know, like like you just said, you know, a, a company would go to a, a singular photographer, get their rate, get their quote, and then be like this is too much for what we need, you know? Cause a lot of times there was a lot, I mean, that was the main thing with the product photography uh, industry at the time was that like, Amazon sales were booming and, yes. and, and like online online um, consumership was was kind of like at its peak and it just was not stopping it was just keep going higher and higher so I got brought in with like all of these promises all of the <laughs> all of these promises that like it was a billion dollar industry and all that stuff and um you know, that I was going to have all these opportunities to travel and grow and all that stuff. And, and in a sense I did, you know, I did for a a couple of years, I'd say, and, and the the person who ran the company wasn't just like a big wig. He was himself a photographer. Yeah. Um, you know, he had gone to school in, in New York, um, NYU maybe, I don't, I don't remember. But anyways, uh, he, and he he, and he was good. He was good at what he did. He had a very technical knowledge. Uh, and that was actually something that I was really severely lacking yeah. uh, was was like studio technical experience. And, and to be quite honest, like Photoshop and editing. Mm-hmm. Like I had done it, but I had never done it at such volume, yeah, um, and and so that's why I don't like, even though the job itself, after four or five years like completely destroyed me and I hated it by the end of it. Were you there that long? I was there like almost five years. Jesus. Yeah. I mean, I mean the, like pandemic happened too in the middle. So like, and that was amazing. Sure. <laughs> so that, I mean, the pandemic was terrible. Of course yeah, I yeah. would never say anything differently, but at that time having like been killing myself working, taking those few months off kind of reminded, if anything, the pandemic is the reason why I'm here yeah. now yeah. in yeah. California. It was cause I forgot what it was like, to work on my own stuff and it was actually at right after the pandemic that i did that first shoot that got published that i like you know that i loved and threw all my self into and and everything but anyways long story short uh got the job learned technical lighting learned uh editing and and stuff like that but over the years the expectations were just too much um you know i was working 12, 13, 14 hours in an office, not, you know, not like, it's not like on set where you have a 16 hour day and you're moving and it's it's exciting and you're doing different things. Like this was just like too much, um, too much volume with not enough capability to, to handle it.
0: But you're also on salary.
1: True. So you're,
0: okay. So let me interrupt you real quick. This is something that I've talked about quite a few times and you know, that Gina actually went and took an office job for a period of time too. Rulala. Yeah, it was Rulala. Yeah. And I tried to warn her against that. But she's like, I need to go d- experience this and I've never had a nine to five and I gotta go do that. I think it's kind of good for a lot of freelancers to do that just to understand the hustle mm-hmm. that are these big businesses. Yeah. And the the big sales pitch for anybody that hires like an in-house uh, photographer, an in-house media producer, an in-house anybody, they've already existed. That company has either attempted to do it or understand what it's like to go hire a production company, understand what it's like to hire all these different people, and they see that as cost overhead that they don't want. Mm -hmm. And they hit this period of time where our industry was so saturated with people in this business looking for work that the clients were able to go, how about I just hire you? Mm -hmm. Which is weird because they're coming at it from very much the corporate world side of things, where it's like, we'll give you a salary, You can come on, you'll get a salary, maybe you'll get benefits, you'll get a salary, and you'll have um, a check. You can rely on this check. You can actually, you know, the sales pitch is like, you can buy a home, you can go through this whole process and do this. What they either know or don't know is that in order to do these jobs, in order to turn these things around, in order to shoot this stuff, what we do, it requires a lot of fucking work. Yeah. And it requires a lot of extra work in late hours and all that sort of stuff. And so the young photographer goes, well, it's reliable for me. They haven't had the experience and time understanding how fucking long. I mean, how long did I work on that fucking Bose edit? Oh, my God. Can you imagine if that was my job? <laughs> that was my job. Like, I was locked in at a fucking salary, and I was required to only sleep eight hours over the course of two days. So... I think what happens is a lot of folks take these gigs because they end up in that same position that you were in, which is like, I would like to steady job. I would like to go through this. And then you're in it and you go, I am literally, if I count out the hours, I'm literally getting paid under minimum wage for the amount of time that I'm spending on this. Maybe even
1: less than that. Yeah. And, and funny enough, you mentioned benefits. Uh, When I first got the job, I didn't have health insurance. They, they, yeah, they didn't, they didn't. And like, this was like a, this was like a company like it had like an office huge studio you guys never you guys never ended up seeing it but it, no. it, like it was huge like there were there were so many resources there were so many opportunities for it to be really successful yeah. um but they they had like a very specific idea of what how, how what they wanted to do and how they wanted to do it yeah. and it just wasn't working and like i like from the very beginning I tried to like kind of adjust their expectations or or like give like you can't let like, because you know they were my boss but like we also had all these clients I'm like and clients like to take advantage of mm-hmm. people a lot of the time so mm-hmm. uh, you know we had these clients who were just really like dicking us around and I'm like this is a tiny client like you don't need to take this and they're like no if we get a b-. like they were so terrified of like a bad review or a bad cloud yeah. or a bad idea and i and i totally got that but yeah it 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 was a problem it, there was a lot of issues regarding that whole like you said the 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 business itself what it's meant to do which is just undercutting any sort of individual photographer or even other uh, businesses that might do it with a little bit more integrity yeah um and and i mean it's not working out super well right now like and i mean like you said like i i was a i was i ran their production so i was photographer editor client liaison there were times when i was doing cold calls to clients at the very beginning yeah yeah they like it is that, that was like maybe two weeks after like cold calling for two weeks they're like you can't be doing this. You have too much work to do elsewhere. <laughs> and I was, I was like, you know, it was supposed to be a, a nine to five, but it was nine to six. And I would be there till like 1130 at night, 1130, yeah. 12. And I lived an hour away. So I was, I was not getting home to like one, one thirty in the morning. And then I had to be back up in the morning for, you know, uh, I had to wake up at seven o'clock, seven 30. So I was getting like five hours of sleep or less. Cause when you get, you know, that's the problem with another problem with like the nine to five lifestyle is that you do it and then you get home and you want kind of your own time. You want sure, time, you right. You need your own relaxation time. So that, that takes away your sleep time even more. So it's like, what do you value your sleep, your, your energy, your yep. free time, you know, all that stuff. So it just, it was very, very unhealthy, uh, I both would and would not recommend it, and it's what's funny is that you warned Gina against Rula, Gina warned me against this job, like was very vehement about it, uh, uh, and was like she's like you're gonna hate this, you're not gonna like it, and I was like I gotta do it. Yeah, you took the gig. I was like, like I, was I was like, like
0: I, he's gotta just go, he's gotta do it. I was like I've got to do it, but I got
1: I got I got trapped. I got trapped though, so I would say like to anyone listening, like do it, like take that job, you know, take it, but do not stay there don't get trapped don't let yourself feel like like there's nothing like better for you or that you can't really do better or or that you know the comfort of having that that steady paycheck and that health insurance i mean everyone has different circumstances was
0: that how you got trapped there were all those things
1: uh i got trapped for a lot of different reasons um it was that, it was, you know, expenses. It was like my family stuff, stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, I was, I was not, I grew up in Massachusetts, the business of in Massachusetts. I was close to my family. My brother had just had a kid, um, all that stuff. But, but in the end, those were all just excuses. Cause in, yeah. I really want, you know, I wanted to come out here. I wanted to leave Massachusetts in general. Um, and like I said, the real catalyst I would say was, like the pandemic, I had planned to quit. I would. There was like an incident at work. Actually, uh, you don't have to
0: go into specifics. They,
1: there's not specific, but there was an incident where a cup was thrown through a wall, and and I might have been the recipient of that cup. Oh my god! Uh, but the person says like, "Oh, I was trying to kill a fly." I was like, yeah. oh, "I was yeah. the fly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was the fly." Wow. Um, and then wow. I was like, "I'm done. Wow. I'm done." Yeah, of course and, you are. Right. Yeah. And, but then I wasn't. <laughs> but then I stayed for another. Year. Year and a half. Jesus, dude. I know it was. Yeah, was it, it? So, if anything, you can go through like abuse at your jobs and still stay. Yeah, you know, even if it's bad, even if it's egregious. So, like, respect to anyone out there who's doing what I did and still in it because I know it sucks, but get out of there.
0: <laughs> well, As dude, I mean, look, I, there's a sense of fear that everybody has. I mean, I had a sense of fear. I probably should have come out here. I'd say five five years prior to when I came out here and and it took a while for me to go through the process of getting out of my business, my toxic relationship, all that kind of stuff. It took a while for me to escape that. Um, So everybody feels that and what it is, and it's like a theme that has existed this year on our show. It's imposter syndrome. It's the sense of like, I don't have enough experience. I don't have enough time. I don't, I don't have these things. And I think that there are certain avenues out there that seem like um I don't want to say an easier way out but you look at something like you know a full-time job and you go well I don't have to worry about money so that's great but essentially those people are preying on your imposter syndrome to begin with
1: mm-hmm. they're oh, like
0: yeah. well you this guy obviously doesn't know how to price himself out correctly and then they'll just fuel that where it's like no 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 what you're worth is what we're offering you meanwhile they just sort of come up with those rates ridiculously, it's not like they do research on how much work you're going to end up doing and how much time you're doing. They base those rates on some sort of bullshit thing they find online somewhere. It's horrendous. Yeah, it's horrible. So um, just be aware of this. And I think your story is really fascinating because I've talked about this before on the show quite a, quite a bit and you've been through it. Mm. Um, and I, if you guys are listening, just be wary of that. It really, it took me years to realize that I'm healthier mentally Mm -hmm. if I take four or five big jobs a year and still make my salary as opposed to taking 400 or fucking 50 little jobs a year. Yeah. Cause those little jobs are always playing it. Like they deserve to be treated like a big job. They put you through the shit. I mean the worst clients that I've ever had in my history my 20 plus years doing this have been clients that wanted to pay me less than $2,000 for a job. Oh my God. I've had a client threaten to take me to court in that range. It's, I never have this trouble with clients that are paying the right amount of money. No. You, you never do. Um, so just keep that in mind. And if you change your mindset and you go, you have to ask yourself a serious question. How much do I need per year to survive? That's the, re- that's the question that everybody has to ask themselves. You, especially if you're new in this business, you can't be getting into this field going, "I'm going to become a Kardashian. I'm going to make all this fucking I'm make money." Make a million dollars. Yes, yeah, you, you're just not. And so then you have to sort of realistically ask yourself, okay, what's my overhead? What are my goals? What do I need? How much cash do I need? And if you set those goals and you go, all right, well. Realistically, I need about sixty eight thousand dollars a year, or I need about seventy thousand dollars a year to do this at my at my level. So how many jobs is that that's two four six, four jobs correctly priced for you mm-hmm. easily and if you're smart, then you're also on your personal time creating work that can become passive income so if you're shooting images or ideas that end up on merchandise if you're shooting things that are going to be sellable so that way you can create your own e-commerce that is passively fueling your shit at the same time good for you like this podcast is becoming passive income for me which is fucking phenomenal because not only do i only have to do at this point five jobs a year correctly priced out for me to be financially stable Mm -hmm then there's this other income that's coming through so i think if you here's the bomb that i'm going to throw down for everybody if you decide that you're going to jump ship and you're going to do this work the rules that exist in the normal business world do not exist for us they just don't and you've decided that you're going to become a gypsy you've decided that you're going to become a fucking carny that's what you're doing so you have to ask yourself some serious solid questions what do I need? What do I want? How much is that going to cost? Realistically, am I going to have a family? How much is that going to cost? Am I going to get in a relationship with somebody? How much is that going to cost on them emotionally and physically with everything? And on you. And on you. <laughs> yeah. For sure. So anyway, a little bit of nuggets for you guys to chew on. Um, Okay, so then you went. You did this job. I did Someone it. Someone threw a fucking coffee cup at you.
1: <laughs> it was a yeti. <laughs> it was <laughs> not. It was not like a, a porcelain mug. It was. <laughs> it was a very strong metal metal container.
0: Get out of my town, Lebowski. Oh my god! It was.
1: It, it was one of those like come to Jesus moments. Um, oh, but you know, again, circling back, and I mean, this is probably. Uh, uh, not munchausen by proxy that's when you make someone sick uh what's the uh what's the beauty and the beast thing where you, i'm not you, gonna get it. you like uh, you you uh sympathize with your captor oh yeah yeah uh, yeah, yeah, yeah um yeah. uh um anyways yeah, yeah, yeah. i i'll think I, it'll come to me and then i'll just say it randomly sure uh but anyways you know i got good things out of the situation i think that especially now, especially working with you guys. Uh, and I think like after I got the job and cause we didn't work together for a, a little while, like yeah. closely. Um, but then after a few years and we were working together, I think it was like pretty obvious that I knew a lot more about you did. what I was doing. And like, you know, I didn't have to look to you guys or like ask you, like I, I was able to move around and like m- supply m- value in my own way. You did, dude. <laughs>
0: I mean, um, this just on this last job. So we hired you uh, to be essentially a um, production coordinator. Mm. And your skills, obviously, on that gig, you were overly prepared. You were on top of everything. You had the communication skills with the clients. The clients loved you. So uh, you, you did walk out of there with a good toolbox.
1: Right so not all not all bad not yeah. all bad but but I like I said I stayed there too long it was it was not a great situation but you can get thing you basically you make the best out of your situation yeah. and I tried to do that with 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 that um, and and yeah and when 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 you're done growing, when it's when you're not learning anything new yeah. from your situation it's probably time to move on yeah. and and you should li- you should listen to yourself and it may not it may take you a year it may take long you know whatever but you should come to the conclusion that it's it's time for those next steps for yourself yeah. and and work towards that that should be your goal
0: but, sometimes it just takes you a little while to get
1: through the haze of it <clears throat> and totally and don't. yeah and there's there's life shit you know there like yeah. it's not easy to to, to just pick up and leave like that. Some people can do it. I, I always hate those people that yeah. I see on, on Instagram or on whatever. They're like, I came to California with nothing but $300 in my bank account and a dream. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. like, Oh, you had $300 <laughs> in your bank account. Well, you were fucking homeless for, exactly. or like, or you poor, were yeah. just
0: mooching off all your fucking friends. Oh, right. You're that stinky guy that's on the fucking couch the whole time.
1: Oh my God, I did do that for a while though. Not <laughs> yeah. here. That was like 10 years <laughs> that, ago, but I wasn't, but I, yeah, but I, clean, that's but I
0: that's that It's just like, you're losing friends. Cause they're like, how long is, how long is Ian going to be on the fucking couch?" <laughs>
1: yeah yeah yeah
0: no that's what that is and if they're posting about it on instagram it's also bullshit
1: oh my god yeah absolutely i mean also if you're if you're sleeping on someone's couch make sure to make them food and pick up after yourself and <laughs> take care of their plants and all that stuff don't also don't be selfish don't be selfish yeah, don't, be a, don't, be a, don't be a, of, don't be a prick
0: that's kind of that's kind of the big thing also don't be selfish
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> all, right. Uh, all right all right so then uh during the pandemic we would because there were multiple times that we were working out here, and that I don't. Know, I mean, Gina's probably going to get mad from me blowing it up, but she's like, "I miss Ian," and she uh, hit a point of growth herself where she's dealing with all this stuff. And I think at her specific point of growth, it's interesting, right? Because you start to get larger clients, you start to get bigger budgets, but you also have to remind yourself that. I have to prove a track record. So even though I'm starting to get these larger budgets right now, it's not like I can go open up a company. It's not like I can go like, Hey, I'm going to get a fucking brick and mortar and I'm going to bring in like 15 employees and sort of do this stuff. You have to let it run the long course of it. And so for her, she needs to work with people that are multi-talented, that have multiple skills, that have the ability to interact with clients, but also know how to pick up a camera, also know how to do all this stuff because there's a lot of hands that are moving and, and everything else. So uh, she kept, for quite a t- while, she was like, "I wish Ian was going to be out here." So we were secretly every time you called us, running a campaign to make you envious about not being out here in California. Uh,
1: I, I remember one specific. I remember one specific conversation that we had during the. I think it was during the pandemic, or it was like. Cause, cause Gina was working on B stuff. She had like live performances that she was, you know, and she's like, I want you to come out and produce for it. Like get out here, start working. And, and I was like, you know, the thing with, with gigs out here is that they happen in like five days, you know, like you find out and then you have to do it. Uh, And I just, I just didn't have that luxury working at the same time. I mean, I could have, could have probably swung it, but when you're in that situation, you're like, Oh, I need to save money. Oh, whatever. Anyways, didn't work out. But I do remember, one conversation that we we all had um and, and it, it, it 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 like i i feel like i have your voice in my head a lot of the time like 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 floating around me being like what do you want to do? <laughs> What's your goal? What's your end end game, Ian? Uh, and I never, I, ne- I still, I still to this day. I mean, like I, as you, as you heard earlier, like I wanted to be a surgeon. I wanted to be a chef. I want to do all these things. And I guess that fits into the whole like multi talented. And sure. but I think like jack of all trades, master of none. I don't think that that's always a good thing. I think that it's good to be. Mm-hmm. Consistent mm-hmm. and and knowledgeable on on the things that you have to be, and then ha- and, you know dabble on the side. I overly dabble myself on the now. side. Yeah, yeah. but yeah, we you guys were making dinner and it was a Zoom call or something like that, and and I think at one point you're just like you're like don't waste my time or something like that <laughs> uh yeah like we were telling you, you guys had made dinner and i just, i was like floundering i was like yeah i don't know and uh, i don't know it was like you it, it was a challenge i yeah, I, yeah, I, I looked i, shit. I looked really at it me. as a challenge and i never i still think about it I still think about it. It's what I ask myself every time I'm I'm like alone and like having those, uh, you know, self-inflective or even self-deprecating moments yes. where I'm just like, like, what the fuck do you want to do? Like, yeah. what? Do, like, what do you want to make? Like, you know, my mom when she was. 11 years old, knew she wanted to be uh, a doctor, an orthodontist, a dentist, whatever. She knew from a young age that that's what she wanted to do. And I I envy people like that. I think, in a sense, it it gives them this, like, neuroses that they have to achieve that goal. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, they have all of that time that they have been building those skills and like growing towards something. Sure. Whereas, you know, if you decide, Oh, you know, I like photography. Oh, I like film. But then you realize that, you know, maybe the, the market is, is too saturated right now. And you're like, I'm going to get into VFX at 27, (laughs) you know, you can't really just do it, you know, like that. You have to spend time with it. You do.
0: I mean, it's an interesting thing. Yeah. I mean, like, to to address your point of people that that know what they want to do and push it, when I made the decision that I was going to be a director, that for 20 years or 18 years that was my obsession. To the point where I'm like, I don't give a fuck about a family. To the point where like, my first relationship I was kind of a douchebag because I was just like, this is just a fucking relationship. Who gives a fuck? This is not making a movie. This is not doing that. And so as you get older and you cross into the 40s and you start to hit this roadblock in our industry, which is like, hey, it has no it, nothing to do with how talented you are or your experience. There's like a gatekeeper action that's going on here that you now have to work your way through. So when you start to hit this immovable block, then you start to question everything else. And you're just like, fuck, I just spent so much time on this and I've spent too much time on this. And I haven't spent enough time sort of examining what makes me happy and I haven't processed What the fuck is wrong with me? And, you know, uh, kudos to Gina for making me get a therapist because that's sort of helped me get through all that shit.
1: I also need one of those. (laughs)
0: Yeah, or you can get it on our healthcare, by the way. Um, So, yeah, so then, uh, so there's benefits to it. Like, I know how to do stuff because I've spent so much time doing it. Like, it's second nature to me. You saw me do the Bose thing. It's just second nature.
1: But... You have fun. You have fun when you do it, which is which is always really fun to I watch. Know, like even though you're like really pulling, even though you're pulling your hair out, yeah. like you're like you're jamming, you're like doing air guitar and air drums, <laughs> yeah, and like you're yeah. listening to the same fucking song like heart hundreds heartache. of times, and you're still into it.
0: Yeah, I mean it was good. Yeah. It was actually really healthy for me this one. Um, but uh, just to say that like you can change your career, you can decide that you're going to get into VFX because a lot of the folks that I've talked to on this show that are really great find those avenues mm-hmm. and they find them later in life. And the great thing about our industry is that you can be doing this until you drop. Like age is actually helpful in this business because age pr- provides experience and, and experience provides savings mm-hmm. for cash and right. for everything else. And, and um, so don't let that, don't beat yourself up over that shit. You don't necessarily need that. I think when I gave you shit, because I've got a lot of friends that call call me, still call me from Boston and they're just, they call me for motivation. And the reason why Gina and I get along so well is that when she came to me for motivation, she would put it into action immediately. So Mm -hmm. she, and she does this all the time. She'll come to me and ask me like, how would you do this? How do you do that? And I tell her how I would do that. She doesn't necessarily go do it step for step the way I told her, but she processes it immediately. Mm -hmm. And then within a month, She's done it. That's done, yeah. So I never feel like I'm wasting my breath on her there are other friends that I have that will call me up just to have the conversation just to get the juice out of that conversation. And then they're not using any of it. They're just right. sort of like, okay,
1: like you're their therapist.
0: So that's why when you were to, like there hit a point where I'm like, what the fuck do you want? Yeah, you? I know. You know what I mean? Like I your, like
1: your, your voice was my voice inside my own head. Yeah.
0: I was like, what the fuck are you doing? What the fuck do you want? Like this? I'm hitting that. I'm hitting that point of like, I'm almost done talking to you about this right. shit. Um, uh, which- and I and
1: I didn't. I never. I, I never brought it up again, though. Did. Until, I did. didn't. Did. A- after that moment, I was like, I was like, I well, I mean, and and I know you weren't saying it to be mean or anything like no. that, but I like, I was like, I am, I am fucking wasting. His breath yeah. right now, like, yeah. because I have nothing to contribute to this conversation other than my own indecision. Yeah. And, and, and that's fair though. I mean, like, people have that. Sure. But, but, you know, basically, and like I said, I still think about that. So I would say that that reaction that you gave me was exactly the right reaction. Yeah. Cause it was like, it's kind of like a shit or get off the pot moment. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, do you want to do, like, even though you weren't asking me, like, to give you my 10 year, like, what do you want to be in? 10 years planned. Right. You were like, you aren't giving me anything to work off of right now. You're yeah. just, you're just kind of confused. And, and I'm not here to assuage your confusion. I'm here to be a support for you in what you need, but sure. you don't know what you need.
0: Because this business is going to shit on you. If you are focused, right. like if you're not focused, what the fuck are you doing? For? It's going to shit all over you. If you know where it is that you want to go, it's just right. going to be consistently brutal. So you're just wasting your fucking time. And if, if you want to live in this circle and I I have a lot of friends that do have consistently lived in this circle and they'll make like baby steps or they'll throw a line out just enough of a line to feel like they're connected to it, Mm -hmm. but they're not actually doing it. And I've been there personally too, where you get into funks and you're just like, what am I doing with them? You know, like I get that. Um, I just thought that that was the most powerful thing that you could hear. And apparently it was. It was. No,
1: it was. It It absolutely was. You really did. Yeah. It still affects me to this day. Good. Yeah. And then another little aside is like, I feel like part of the reason that I was so floundering is that I wasn't surrounded by creatives. Like, even though I was doing a, like, even though my job was somewhat creative in a sense, I was working, like, I wasn't around people that inspired me. And even though I had access to you guys and I was seeing what you guys were making, it's not quite the same thing Mm -hmm. as being involved or being present or whatever. So, you know, if you're feeling like you're starved creatively or something like part of that is the fact that you're, I mean, some people work better alone. Yeah. But, uh, you, need but, but you need to be
0: around. You need to be around. You
1: need to be around other people. You need to be yeah. work. Like you need to be working while someone else is working Yep. Yeah. and then you can take a break and you can see what each other is working on. Stuff like that. It's so important. Like it motivationally, internally, happy wise, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, so yeah, find a good creative yeah. crew. So we're
0: happy that you came out. I'm happy to be here. We're happy that you're out. Cause it's like uh, Me too. I was proud <coughs> of you when you made that decision. So it was, a good, it was a good decision that you made. Daddy was proud of me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, um, hell yeah, man. And then uh, you uh, drove cross-country. Like, so how long did it take you to get cross-country? 12 days. Okay, for those of you listening uh, <coughs> that are new to the show, go back. I think it was like a couple years ago, Gina and I did an entire series on driving across the country. Yeah. <laughs> And, uh, you know, trying to book a house, book a place uh, out here. Uh, We were giving you as many tips as we we possibly could.
1: You didn't even have this, like, this house, like, you didn't even have this house, like, When when you left. No, we didn't.
0: No. So, what I did is I had seen, I flew out here. Okay. I got credit cards mm-hmm. and used credit cards and productions for a while, which gave me free travel points. So I ended up flying out here a few weeks early for free, exactly. <laughs> essentially. And I spent a week, seven days, hunting through houses out here, mm-hmm. never really knowing anything about the geography or where everything is. Uh, I looked at over 25 different homes or something like that. It was a ridiculous amount. Yep. Um, and most of the places out here sucked like sucked a lot of the places i was looking at were terrible and um i stumbled on this place and when i stumbled in here the landlord was super nice he still is he's a sweetheart mm-hmm. um but he was keeping his game open he was like i'm still looking at other place people other things and so i tried my best i tried my best i stayed here with him i talked i filled out all the forums. And then I called his house to, talk to his <laughs> talked to his wife. Talked to his wife. She thought I was sweet. And she's like, ah. Right. And so then he goes, I can't make a decision uh, in the next week because we're waiting on some stuff. Mm-hmm. And this was right when we were leaving because I just flew back home, packed our shit. So I went and I met with another place. And there was this other place that was in our same area. Mm-hmm. But it uh, wasn't optimal. I had like shaggy carpet. It was gross. I had carpets. And it had like tandem parking which we now have but you had like you can't be in a place with the carpets G- like, with gina oh, no, don't know no. uh and so had all this shit and they approved us <clears throat> and so she approved us and i was like i don't want that house but at least we have a house and so i said to her which was true because gina was in hungary at the time that i was doing all this stuff yeah, i just sort of extended it and i said to her we love it we're interested uh but my girlfriend's in europe And I can't make the decision for the next week. So you'll just hold out for us for a week. Which was me crossing my fingers going, I want this other place for that week. Mm -hmm. And so we got in the car, packed our shit, and drove. And we were driving cross-country and had nowhere to stay. I put in this address into the GPS because I wanted to come here. Uh, but we didn't find out until what two days, three days on the road.
1: Before you, oh, after you. had After left we landlord? left,
0: it was three days on the road, and I got a call from this landlord, and he goes, "Yeah, we'll take you." And I was like, uh, "Yes." I was going to say
1: that must have been such a celebration. I, if I had not, if I had not, I mean, the reason that it took me so long to get out here was that, and I mean, like hemorrhaging money. I ended up, I mean, and here's another uh, tip for people who are thinking to move across the country. Uh, it took me five months to find a solid living situation of like uh you know zillow craigslist facebook marketplace sending out instagram uh, uh, stories asking people to, to to shop around, and I had like one person who <laughs> I had one person who I was gonna live with who like that was a whole thing. Uh, she was she was involved in like multiple cults. <laughs> the cult, oh my the cult, god. multiple cults. The cult.
0: I, 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 part of me wishes that you did that I had. So that we can
1: experience the craziness. So, yeah, the cult of Eilish. Oh um, my god! And uh, but then I end up stumbling upon this really great place that I'm in right now, five minutes from Gina and Mike. I know, right, like right, right down. The the street um but if i had started my road trip without knowing where i was going to live i i'd feel like i wouldn't have been able to enjoy it like there were there were enough like unknowns uh, before i got out here that if if yeah if if my living situation had not been secured i feel like i would have i probably would have flown i probably wouldn't have
0: dude it was it was insane for us because i had spent a year broke up my old company got out of a bad relationship then had to get out of our house had to clean our house back at home because my roommates were kind of trash. So I had to go through the process of <laughs> cleaning that place out. The carpet beetles. <laughs> oh, and then the carpet beetle situation. And that was a fucking nightmare. And then I had to throw out all my shit because Gina was finding carpet beetles in it. And, you know, she's or, a little.
1: Or you were giving it to me and I still have it. <laughs> <laughs> so,
0: so, like, I'm so happy we drove Because it was the ultimate reset. Mm -hmm. There was a point when we were getting on the highway in Watertown and getting on the Mass Pike and literally driving. This is the last memory I have of Boston. Driving down that exit and just looking in my rearview mirror going, you have cleaned your life. Like this trip is a reprogramming. Mm -hmm. And so it took us nine days to drive cross country. We stayed in a couple spots on the way we had sold a lot of stuff we had the money for it so it was pretty comfortable we had enough money um to last uh i'd say five months out here on rent. Yeah,
1: you did a really good job selling all your shit before
0: you left. yeah we sold with all our shit that we sold on offer up we made like six seven grand just selling that That's stuff fucking nuts. and so then uh we did the trip and sure the first couple days were stressful but it, i was more worried about getting across country. And I knew that we had a place and I knew that I had a pretty solid relationship with this guy here. Um, but once we got that call, it was like fucking celebration time. It really was. And um, we enjoyed it. Like the thing that was so fascinating about the move cross country for me and Gina, we were obviously very close prior to that. But when I had to break up the company, when we had to clean out the house, her and I were pretty much attached at the hip. For about a year and a half before we left. And then we were attached to the hip when we came out here because we we're our support cycle for this. And then we went into fucking and the, COVID. And then the pandemic. Yeah. And then the pandemic. And so, you know, <clears throat> at this point, Gina is away from me for what, like 35 minutes, and she's like, I miss you. Which is <laughs> like I yeah, yeah, all
1: right. <laughs> yeah, we're all we're all very codependent. <laughs>
0: yeah, it's funny. Um but uh, the trip was cool. You so we did the northern route cross country. I which went straight
1: it? through the middle. Um, yeah. I went I went down to to DC and Virginia. Uh, yeah. We like we did New York and then DC, Virginia, and then uh, we stopped in Kentucky at a, a bourbon distillery. Willett. very good? Oh nice, uh, yeah, nice, sick. Nice. Um, and then from Kentucky, we sent it right to St. Louis, which was lit. Nice. I loved St. Louis. Where's uh, who
0: the fuck is St. Louis? Missouri. I feel like I'm I feel like I've been there. Maybe it's, not.
1: It's like uh, like I said, basically from the from the point at which we were in Washington D.C. and and I learned a lot about uh, geography on this trip because uh, I so I mean and uh, so you you did you did uh, your road trip with your person uh, who you had been with for many years. I did my road trip with uh, my new person who I had never been with uh, oh for God, a while. Dude. And so uh, you know we 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 sent it across the country. We stayed with his family in in Washington D.C. And, or sorry in in Virginia, and then basically from Virginia just went a Straight shot through Kentucky, through Missouri, and then Kansas. Wow! Um, and and a lot of people shit on Kansas, like driving through it, that it's boring or whatever. I thought it was fucking beautiful. I yeah. I thought it was great. I mean, I also like there was it was very stormy and like scary. And oh, that's I, cool. I was I was expecting a tornado to come. I was like expecting Helen Hunt to show up. You know, it was a whole thing. Um, That's cool. And then went to Denver. Basically, we had three main destinations that we wanted to go to, and that was Virginia, St. Louis, and Denver. And then we were going to, like, stop at stuff along the way. Yeah. Um, And then after Denver, we stayed in uh, a couple of the national parks. We stayed in Bryce Canyon, which was awesome, and then Zion, which I wanted to be awesome, but uh, it was very crowded. Uh, Like, like, I mean, everyone talks about Zion, so it makes sense that it would be, like, super saturated there. But, uh, yeah, I would – from what I've heard, you should go to Goblin Canyon instead. <laughs> uh, but yeah, but, but I'll definitely do some national park stuff if you can. Like, when are you going to get to see that? Yeah. Those we really kinds did. of things. We really didn't
0: have time for it. I mean, you know, we have a different, different mentality. So we stayed in uh, Chicago cause it's all booze and food. So we did Chicago, I we wanted to do Chicago. upstate New York. We did, um, Colorado. Um, what's the, what's the city up in the hills? And the mountains up there in Colorado, it's, um, Jesus Christ. I
1: uh, can't remember. It's just tel-
0: Telluride? No, no, no. The main one in, in, uh, in, in Col-
1: Colorado. In Colorado. I mean, there's As- Aspen, Denver. Denver. Yeah. So yeah, we, we stayed in Denver. Denver.
0: So then, uh, yeah, we did that, which was fun. And then, um uh we spent a night in vegas which i was like Whoa.
1: you guys did not do the northern route you went like you went you went north and then you went south and then you went like did like you did like a northern diet tri- you kind of did like a northern yeah, diagonal it's
0: not like we drove up to uh, fucking. <laughs> like,
1: i thought you were gonna like i thought you did like Sanford. like the dakotas and stuff like that that's where all those like random sideshow attractions
0: no are. no 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 we went up and then came down which is cool that was um,
1: the, that was the way to do it we made sure not to go to vegas we, fucking yeah I know we, we were like we drove we drove through we drove directly through Vegas actually that was probably one of the weirdest things on the trip was was the stretch between um between the the national parks and then mm-hmm. uh and then California mm-hmm. was like driving through Vegas is bizarre mm-hmm. it's just bizarre mm-hmm. um and I and I, I I guess it's because like you kind of drive through the city but to the side of the city and you're just seeing this very garish yeah uh like display um and then there's an in and out and you're like you're like i cannot stop here if i stay in this city i'm i'm gonna get yeah. sucked in by some sort of consumer conspiracy like i, I need to get out of here
0: just move on did yeah, you absolutely see, did you see that wild uh, power plant facility so, the
1: solar field that was fucking cool. That thing was crazy. I was like, "This." Is, I don't understand how this does not cause more accidents.
0: Yeah, it was quick Because I remember it was just driving, and it was this bright fucking light that was coming from there. And apparently, what they do is they heat up boiling water or something like that. There is apparently what they do.
1: I'm not sure, but Andrew uh, looked because he was he's doing a lot of research while while I was driving. I did all the driving. I drove the entire way, uh-huh. uh, which which was fine because I prefer that. But That's uh, crazy. But he was doing research on the solar field, and apparently like he did research on how many birds get killed yes. by it. And yes. apparently the birds just explode. Yes, Like they, they incinerate, like they, they fly right into it. And it's, it's so hot. It's almost like a second sun. I mean, it's obviously not that hot, but like but yeah. it's hot enough to incinerate a living tissue. Yeah. Uh, and, and I was like, holy shit that they have got to have some accidents. Yeah.
0: Cause I think it's like a mirror field too. And there's like this device in the center where it's taking the sun and it's, pounding this sort of energy beam down into water, I think, and then that water is boiling, and then that's causing steam or some sort of thing that's happening. Uh, don't yeah, qu- neither, yeah, don't neither, call neither of us
1: are. do
0: <laughs> I just remember like seeing it going like, that's fucking cool.
1: Yeah, some, cool. some sort of a sci-fi thing going on.
0: And you know, there's a great diner. On the back end, so there's a diner in between Vegas and here. It's like Denny's or Annie or something Annie like or yeah, because
1: yeah. Gina has the the mug from it, and mm-hmm. we, we were gonna stop. So that's great. She didn't tell us to stop there until uh, un, un- basically until we had already passed it. We stopped at uh the Mad Greek Diner, uh, yeah, yeah, um which was very expensive. Yeah, uh yeah, yeah. like weirdly exp- It was fine, but it was like not uh, you know they're it, catching all the vegas people it, yeah it was not it was not yeah anyways that's where we stopped yeah, yeah. Um, that's cool man that's cool yeah the trip was sick that's I'm really glad, cool. I, glad i did it would recommend if you've never done a cross-country trip and you're moving across the country you and you have a car do it you know drive it's definitely worth it and like you said it was it was a reset it was very it was important i think in the process of moving across and starting a new life
0: All right, I think it's time for us to get into our ad reads, and uh, first up, it's been a while since we've had this ad read on the show, but this is one of the few ad reads that the client uh, himself wants to record the ads for the show, so here we go.
1: Hi, it's me, Kaka Crumnut, CEO of Meatballs Daily, the social media app where you can download any kind of meatball once per day, daily. I started my social media app because I wanted to download any kind of meatball once per day, daily. And it just wasn't possible before Meatballs Daily. Well, now it's possible outside of the app. Visit our new Meatball Freestyle Machines
0: at your local shopping malls and movie theaters. Now you can download any kind of meatball once per day when you watch a movie. And I know you're all movie lovers.
1: So use the discount code Meatballs for a 10% discount.
0: Yes, Meatballs Daily. It's been a while since we've had them on the show. I'm excited that they're back. Uh, eventually, I'm going to get the owner of Meatballs Daily on the show and we're going to talk about his uh, his wild idea of creating an app in which you can download a meatball per day daily. So I'm excited to have him on the show. Uh, hopefully soon, we'll book him. I've just got a pretty intense schedule right now. Yeah,
1: <laughs> you doing yeah, is baby? this no, a joke is, I, is this a joke I don't know like I I'm so I'm so confused by what I just heard and then and then what you just said and I want a meatball now like Dude, Silicon Valley I, changes the world I man. want you meatballs, meatballs daily. I'll, I'll have to show you how to get the app I want meatballs now yeah yeah give me that meatball daily. Yeah.
0: all right Um. so very excited uh, you can talk with me through this because we have new sponsors on the show mm. Um, uh, Fujifilm is one of our new sponsors, which you've been able to use some of the Fuji cameras, mm-hmm. which we'll get into in a second. Um, but, uh, first time ever I'm announcing this on the show in love with the process has our first beer sponsor yes. and I'm very excited. Uh, I've been wanting to get a beer sponsor for a while right now, because as you all know, bar safaris and everything else, I drink way too many beers um, and I'm excited to, uh, team up with a company, uh, whose beer I've been drinking for years and I love them. The West coast company, uh, bear Republic is our current sponsor. Have you ever had bear Republic?
1: I have. Yeah. Yeah. I growl. Uh, I, uh, yeah, I, I went, I went to school in California, so I've been, I've been having bear Republic since I was. A, a young lad, uh younger lad. Yeah. Uh, they're sick, and I, I haven't had. I mean, I'm now looking at a, a selection of their tall cans, which I was. I all I had was the the Racer Five or the old school. Yes, like bottles. That was what we had in college and stuff. Yes,
0: Racer Five is how I got into these guys too. Mm-hmm. Very excited about them. And excuse me, the stuff that's really cool about. We're gonna get into a bunch of these details. I'm going to give them just a slightly longer ad read sort of conversation right now because it's exciting. Like, we're hanging out with uh, a company that makes amazing IPAs, a company that uh, does uh, very sort of small batch short run stuff. And for those of you who are listening, uh, if you go to bearrepublic.com and you're the legal age to drink, by the way, this, I know that there's a lot of young kids that listen to the show. You're not there yet. You're not there yet. You can't do this yet, um, and I'm not telling you whether or not you should do this. I'm just saying that those of us who do do this, it's an exciting time to be a beer drinker. It has been an exciting time to be a beer drinker for years now. You love beer, right?
1: I do. Yeah. i um, like I'd say like the beer boom in the last seven years has just been astronomical. Well, like,
0: dude, did you like? Here's some stats that I just downloaded recently. Did you know that as of this year? There are 9,118 craft breweries in in the United States. That...
1: I mean, that doesn't surprise me, honestly. It's like, it's crazy. It's crazy. I just, I remember, like, back in the day, like, like what a micro brew was or a micro brew, and, like, oh, we brew our own in-house or something. And, like, that was the pinnacle of, like, craft beer. Sure. Like, you drank Heineken or Coors or Miller and stuff like that and when maybe you it were. Was
0: like, maybe it was, like, Sam Adams was in the. Exactly. It, it was, like, like the higher,
1: like, the upper tier. Right. And then all of a sudden, these these. I guess, microbrews turned into actual breweries. And and now we have this like fantastic, amazing elixirs that we get to drink all the time. It's
0: so cool. And the thing I really like about it more than anything is that they're just like small, oftentimes family run businesses, Mm -hmm. very small business oriented, uh, people that get together with great ideas. And they're so hyper focused on the craft of brewing beer. And it's such an exciting thing. Like my favorite bar out here, we took you to it. Um, is uh, Glendale Tap. And the reason why I love Glendale Tap is they have such a fucking huge selection of um, of beers and microbrews. And it just, it elevates sort of the romance that I've always had with bars to me. And Gina gets pissed at me whenever I say this, uh, because I, I'm not one of those guys that it's like, I need to go get drunk this weekend. Like, I've had a rough weekend. For me, it's always about the experience. It's about going to sort of like this romantic Uh, place that if you notice in bars they always have like beautiful tools beautiful wood like uh, really cool taps and the science behind it all is really fun and interesting and it's such a great social experience to be able to sit down with a friend or a stranger and try something new and taste something that's great Um, and in our current world in which there are so many microbrews out there every experience can be different. Like you and I can literally go down to Glendale tap today and I could drink something that I've never had before. Absolutely. And we, I go there quite often. So Mm -hmm. it's very, very exciting. And the reason why I love bear Republic is that as a company, um, they believe in a lot of that stuff. Let me give you some of the history of these guys. Bear Republic brewing company was founded in 1995. So relatively young, Um, Our original brewery is located just off the downtown square in, what is that? Helmsburg, California. Um, It is where we created and sometimes stumbled upon some of our favorite beer recipes. Ricardo's Red Rocket Ale, Racer 5 IPA, which many of you know about, Mm -hmm. and many others began in that very brew house. Bear Republic loves to make a mark with their beers, but want to minimize their mark on the environment. If you go and check out their website, read about their sustainability efforts, which is admirable. Love that. Um, Personally, for me, it's about two things flavor and can design. I hate to say it this way, but I love the can designs.
1: It's super cool.
0: I actually like to know less about how the beer is made, and I like to really sort of fall into the marketing and the romance that goes with it. I really love, really enjoy that. Mm I know it may sound simple, but I love the artwork and attention to detail that goes into these beer cans in general and I love what Bear Republic is doing with theirs. Um, I, I should get some of the people from their artwork department on the show and talk Absolutely. about
1: that. I mean the, like one right there, the the tarot series one is that's sick. Like that and that that opens them up to like a whole a whole slew of different types of yeah. of marketing. Cool.
0: Yeah, I love this shit. Even like a variety pack, I fucking love this stuff. Uh, As you start up your barbecue season, consider getting your hands on a specialty brew from Bear Republic, and they have made getting their beers very easy. You can visit their website, bearrepublic.com, and buy their seasonal brews in small batches off their website. They ship anywhere in California, and... If you're not in California, they will let you know uh, where you can get it locally. So they'll tell you about the retailers and the bars that you can find that stuff in. It's really cool. It's a great resource if you want to know more about their brews and their microbrews. I'm excited for their new West Coast IPA, uh, their Formula R and D series, and the ongoing Tarot series, which Ian just mentioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love limited batches, I'm sorry, I love limited batches, and when breweries take chances to try new flavors. So we have a discount code. So if you go to bearrepublic.com and use the discount code PROCESS15, this will get all of our listeners 15% off their entire onlay online store, both beer and merch, And I have lately been wearing my awesome Bear Republic trucker hat, which I really
1: like (laughs) a lot.
0: You see me wearing a lot. Um, But uh, like, if you check out their website here, let's go through. So let's say I wanted to pick up something. Oh, okay. Like their double IPA. So I can add this to the cart. Uh, buying a beer directly is currently own avail- only available in California, Nevada, Kentucky, and DC. Are you in another state? Use our beer finder to find where you can buy it online. Like what? Yeah. So you can That's get nuts. it from like Drizzly or one of those other places. Yeah. They'll let you know where you can purchase this stuff. I've never heard of this before.
1: A lot of that has to do with like post-COVID or like pandemic stuff. The because the the breweries didn't have a way to get people into their uh, into their establishment, so almost all of. The, I mean, at least this is what was going on in Massachusetts at the time. I'm not sure if it's the same in California, but I would imagine it would be. I feel uh, like it might. They be. they started to have to be able to ship, or they did local ship uh, local deliveries and stuff. So like now people can get their beer deliver to them they don't they don't have to you don't even have to leave your ottoman your lazy boy you can sit right there and have a, a delicious bear republic
0: well get ready because you're going to hear me talking about these guys quite a bit i think they're going to be uh helping us out with one of our uh, when i finally do the bar safari episode mm-hmm. which i think at this point to update you guys on what's going on i've been wanting to do it with rick and a bunch of other folks. Everybody's schedules are crazy. I'm going to be headed back to the East Coast at the back end of August. So I don't think the, uh, unless I can cram it in in the next two weeks, I don't think it's going to happen until September. But we are doing a Bar Safari episode. It is going to be awesome. And Bear Republic is sponsoring that with us. Um, so also they have a bunch of really great merch on their website. Um, I just like the Bear Republic logo, which is essentially the uh, California mm-hmm. bear. Which yeah. is really cool. Um, and they also sent us the uh, pine glasses.
1: Oh yeah.
0: I love fucking pine yes. glasses. I do
1: too.
0: Um, so all the stuff's here, really great merch. Like I said, head on over to BearRepublic.com and use our promo code process15. And a big shout out to our folks over at Bear Republic. Thank you for supporting and love with the process. And those of you who uh, love to hear from our sponsors, love our show. follow bear republic on instagram and that's just bear republic uh and then just leave them a note and tell them that it's awesome to hear that they're sponsoring the show and you guys are excited about it and if you guys are buying beers from them uh let me know what you like because uh i work off of suggestions so uh we'll try beers on the show it's gonna be fun it's gonna be a fun couple months with these guys So, very excited, everybody.
1: Make beer, not bombs.
0: fuck (laughs) yeah. Uh, All right, so, Fuji. Fuji Film. I just released the news. Fuji Film has become our other big sponsor on the show. These guys are with us all the way through the back end of the year. Um, They sent us two cameras, which I'm very excited about. Um, They're also financially sponsoring the show, which is super cool. And I'm working closely with Fuji Film to help out young photographers, young filmmakers. So this is going to be a relationship that lasts for a while. Very excited. You just worked with the Fuji camera on the Bose gig. What'd you think?
1: I love, I mean, (laughs) I would say, especially on that gig, uh, since we, like the, the lighting inside of the, the structure, the house of dragon structure, uh, was very low. So I, I was really concerned that bumping up the ISO to, to compensate was going to, produce like a grainy or like a not as good image but it didn't uh like the capabilities of 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 their uh of their cameras especially in low light also like with all of the the film lutzes and everything Mm -hmm. uh it was awesome i mean it was it was amazing
0: yeah because you use the uh xh2s i use a small guy yeah which is I, i don't know if that's out in the market yet i feel like it might not be out yet and i know a lot of you have been following me on instagram and wanting to know about it it is fucking cool it is very cool it's a really cool camera not only is it great because of the LUTs for the photography bit like as a photographer i feel like it's a really cool second camera i feel like it's a great hip mm-hmm. shooter like if you're out there doing street work or maybe if you're doing a larger production or shoot and you're using like the medium format rig and you need to sort of break away in the intro and go shoot talent really quick it's a great camera for that Um, And I really like using the lots in it. I really do. Yeah. Because it kind of like sandwiches you into a specific look and it makes you be creative in those looks. Um, I'm a big fan of that. And um, the video aspect of it is fucking fantastic. I was super surprised by it. Um, I'm not going to talk about it on this episode. I'm going to do a whole show because I just uh, started to record this piece with food um, that I'll release maybe when I do the Patreon, actually. Um, So very excited about the video aspect of it but then you and Gina were using um, the medium format. the medium format I always forget the numbers on it that. that's the 100 I think. 100s right the GFX 100s uh, you just shot with it yesterday
1: mm-hmm. how was it it was sick um, the I'm trying to think like specifically the because we were testing with it outside initially um, and just the pictures. Of me, not a model, uh, you know, not, not, not talent, uh, face for radio. Uh And, uh, they looked great. I mean, the colors were amazing. She was also using, um,
0: the internal grain, right?
1: Right. So she was, yes. So she was using the, the added grain. Uh, so we were taking like, uh, we were taking tests between weak grain, strong grain, and like large and small files. Um, and then we, we ended up going with a strong grain, large file, uh, to, to put it in there and, You know, it was baking it into the, into the JPEGs. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it, it gave the photos that it, cause we were, we were shooting also for a job yesterday. So, and, and that was a requirement of the job. So we were testing it ahead of time. Um, and and it came out excellent. I mean, beto- I, I, the grain was cool, but I really loved the, the coloring and that was without a, without a film lots on oh, its own. Oh right, That was just straight. That was, just stand, that was their standard um, uh, film texture or film film lots. So uh, just, just the normal capabilities of the camera were, were exceptional. You know,
0: the detail is insane on it. The, and yeah. the ability to zoom in on these photos and recrop these photos. On that medium
1: format is just fucking nuts. The file sizes were so huge yeah, for like the two, for the medium format. Yeah, was
0: like two hundred fifty megabytes Gig, or something or like that. Or gigabyte
1: or something. yeah something 250 like two hundred fifty megabytes per image, I think. It was it was nuts because she cool. was zooming it. She was zooming into like my my like beard hairs, my like untrimmed beard hairs, and it was very, uh, very sharp. Yeah, very very sharp. Yeah,
0: and Gina likes it. Um, I think the thing that's very appealing about Fuji film in general is that um, they have a great grasp on uh, creating a look for artists. And whenever I think of Fuji film, I always think of my days back shooting film and getting Fuji and shooting Fuji and the very specific look that it had. Because at that time, I was either buying Kodak or I was buying Fuji. And Fuji just had such a tastier color palette for mm-hmm. me. Kodak just felt like, <laughs> Kodak felt like the type of film that you'd shoot and develop at CBS. Right. You know what I mean? Like Absolutely. that's, that's like a disposable like. camera. Yeah. Almost. Fuji just felt a little bit bigger and better. And when I talked to Victor from Fuji, I was talking to him a bit about that. I was like, there's sort of this prestige. There's this, there's this is, uh, I want to say mythos that comes with Fuji that I really like. And we talked in detail about, um, you know, how everybody has the ability to take decent photos with their iPhone right now. And we just ended up buying the the most recent iPhone, which we'll get into after the ad reads, mm-hmm. uh, for this last production And that unit is, like, getting all excited because it's recreating the look of, like, cinema depth and, like, the phone itself through whatever sort of algorithm is set with their phone. It's, like, adding depth and finding people. It's trying really hard to be a camera that automatically already does it. Right. Um, and the thing I really like about not shooting my photos with my iPhone is that my iPhone is emotionally connected to, like, the stress of text, the stress of email, the stress of everything. That The the iPhone just seems to be a stress for me. You
1: have to se- You have to separate it out from...
0: Exactly. So now that I have my own little bag with my little Fuji rig, if I pick that thing up, I feel like I'm being a photographer that day. My mind reacts differently. Chemically, I'm just getting something different from this unit that's in my hands. But it's also nice that this unit has these like little creative LUTs and the ability to adjust grain and everything so that I feel like it's all happening within this device.
1: It's also like the size, too. Like, I feel like the size of of the Fujis and like they're nice and sleek and thin. You know, it's not the same, you know, especially if you're like you said, you just want to pick it up or a hip shooter or to take it on street photography, things like that. You don't have this like clunky DSLR that's like you know he- a heavy body to begin with and then you have these large lenses although to be fair the lenses that we have at the foodie are very big <laughs> yeah,
0: well, i <laughs> mean for for the for medium, the medium form, format the medium format they're yeah. much bigger the ones for my little rig they're tiny it. little lenses although he did send me a cinema lens and uh i keep forgetting what the low aperture i think it's a i think it's a 1.0 it's a 50 millimeter 1.0 and that thing is gorgeous mm-hmm. which also straps onto the smaller rig i keep Getting the numbers because it's so new to me it's It's the x h2s that's what it is i just keep calling it my little fuji um
1: my little fuji
0: i really like it let me give you some stats here from it as we move on so those of you listening have been asking me a a bunch about the h2s stuff on instagram what these stats are so here's what it's going to offer offering power Full and versatile combination of photography and filmmaking features to enhance any storyteller's vision. I love that, that that's their thing. Uh, central to a success are the 2.1 or 26.1 megapixel back illuminated X Trans 5. Uh, Stack sensor and X processor 5. We're getting real fucking nerdy here. Mm-hmm. This is for you nerds that have been asking me these questions, uh, which combine to provide a 14 stop dynamic range and an outstanding performance in all lighting conditions. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the motion professionals, there is a wealth of 6.2K 30 piece full sensor 3.2 uh, recording options, which include internal 10 bit 422 Apple ProRes. Which is awesome. I've used it, uh, an external Apple ProRes RAW and Blackmagic RAW. So if you're recording it externally, it'll do that. Uh, all with an electronic shutter speed capable of making images at 40 frames per second, uh, up to seven stops. Seven stops of in-body image. I'm sorry, of in-body image stabilization. We're getting super nerdy. and My tongue can't keep up with it. And an AI-powered advanced autofocus system. The autofocus system on these rigs, I've just started to play with. But they're pretty fucking crazy. And I know Gina loves that. Um, There's a lot more to talk about it. uh, And I don't want to hit you guys up with too much nerdy stuff per read. Every episode, I'll try to release a little bit more. I'm super excited to have Fuji on board. And I love uh, Fuji's philosophy on supporting artists um and uh, can't it's so cool to have
1: them yeah, Fuji for life
0: Fuji for life
1: Fuji for life
0: Fuji film <laughs> um, also uh, supporting the show, as we sort of transition out of the ad reads, uh, this current sponsor was such an important part of the recent Bose job so we got hired I got hired um, by Bose to do a what they were calling a social media campaign. And so Bose has just recently teamed up with HBO and house of the dragon. And they were doing an installation at comic-con, uh, in which there was sort of like, I think the best way to describe it, it's almost like a haunted house experience, but it was like a dragon's lair kind of thing.
1: It was something, it was like if you went to universal studios and you did one of those like walkthroughs or like the house of horror or something. Yeah. Like you said.
0: And so Bose was involved with, uh, outfitting this this entire haunted house bride with speakers. And so they created this, like, really immersive sound experience of, like, dragons and eggs being hatched and everything happening. Mm -hmm. Um, And they were super excited about that. And they released their new sound bar, which is exciting, which also had the etching of uh, the dragons on it. Super cool. cool. Super cool. Um, I had worked with Bose years ago. For those of you who have heard the Bose people on our show, it's actually a very successful episode. Nicole Hines was on the show. Um, After we caught up doing that show, she was like, hey, I really want to work with you again. Maybe we can do this. And what's happening now with a lot of these larger companies is that they're realizing the power of uh, social advertising. And so they're sort of steering away from their larger commercial budgets, and they're taking these larger uh, ad campaign budgets and making them into social media stuff. But there's still a level of quality that they expect and that they want from these. Mm -hmm. Um, So they said to me, we're going to do this thing at Comic-Con. We would like you to come and shoot it. I think in their brief had actually underlined that they, they wanted it shot with iPhones and it was not to be cinematic was their underline that they didn't want that which I thought was completely ironic because I'm sitting on all this amazing gear here in the house and suddenly it's like oh shit well we now have to buy the most recent iPhones I now have to go through this whole process um, so the thing that uh, oh Gina just came in super loud and she's walking all over the place Uh So the thing that was interesting, and I think the reason why I got the job was that I think, and this is something that's interesting for a lot of you listening. Whenever you get bids like this, our go-to, because it it usually comes in really last minute and the go-to before we can actually process creatively, what needs to be done is that we always lean on equipment. So we're always like, we'll shoot this with the best looking gear. We'll get area Lexus. We'll do this really cool thing and it'll be great. Well, the current thought process now is we don't want to do that. And what the clients are thinking is that it's going to save them a lot more money. So there's a couple of things that we can address here. One, what got me the job was that I was able to say to them instantly, it's all about the vibe and the tone that we're setting with this campaign, 100%. So it doesn't matter what we're shooting that with, doesn't matter what camera we're using for that, vibe and tone still requires a certain amount of work, still requires a certain amount of energy. So what I said to them, because they were very interested in the work that Gina and I had done for like Robert Pattinson, for the GQ thing and everything else, and I said, what's important here is the music. And so because of my relationship with Jambox, a relationship that you should have with Jambox, I was able ahead of time to go find a track, download a track, and actually design the music for the piece, which Bose incredibly appreciated. Because not only is it setting the tone for what the piece was going to be and showing them what my director's vision was, which alludes to how I would cut it because of the pacing of that piece, but also gives us a very important structure to shoot for because the way this worked, we had to go to San Diego, um, go through the day before, go through this quote unquote ride on our own a couple of times with some influencers that we were working with, uh, and try to get as much coverage as possible. But then for the B roll shots, I had to send both Ian and Gina through this ride multiple times to get me inserts of dragon eggs and fire and everything else. And so the point is, is that we didn't have absolute control over this environment. So having this structure, having a shot list based upon the music that I had built for this thing made Bose incredibly comfortable, made the producers incredibly comfortable. Frankly, made me incredibly comfortable because now I'm not worried about working with iPhones. Now I'm not worried about working with these different elements. I know what we need. I have a plan to do it. And this is all because of Jambox. I'd say this all the time on our show. Right now, go to jambox.io and just listen to their music. It's amazing. This was the track that we used for our show. What was it called? It was called um, Black Shield. Um, super amazing track. I'll play a few right now. This was the one that we used for Bose. Now, I broke this track apart using stems. I was able to build it the way I wanted to build it uh, because I had to fit it into the long form for the piece was 60 seconds. So I knew we were gonna be dealing with dragons. I knew we would be dealing with medieval stuff, but I also wanted it to feel current. And then you're adding a sense of excitement to the piece. So these swells are important. having this sort of trap beat um, enables me to do like speed ramps and then picture-in-picture windows now this is a long version of the song So, as you can tell, being able to take this version and cut it down and shape it, and then having the option to take all the stems and rebuild it however I wanted to build it, this is why I got the gig. This is why we got the job. This is why I got hired for the job. Um, And uh, like I said, Jambox has helped me this year, as an editor, create some of the best stuff that we've done. So right now, head on over to jambox.io, check it out. I am part of their unlimited commercial plan. So that plan covered me doing social media work for Bose, for HBO, uh, which is great. Uh, and that only costs $19.99 a month. And there's a seven-day free trial with that. If you're doing um, podcasts, if you're doing uh, YouTube channel stuff, and uh, there's a lot of you out there who need to up your game on your music, I'm just going to be honest with you. I've heard some of your shows and they the music it's like what did you hire a guy with a monkey on the street and a fucking t- like what the fuck? Get get go to Jambox. 9.99 a month. 30 day free trial for that. Um and if you're a student it's only 6 bucks a month and that gives you access to everything in the unlimited commercial and the unlimited commercial, the reason why I got it, not only because I was working with commercial clients and I'm getting paid, uh, but also, uh, it gives you access to their sound effects and all their stems because in that piece, I was also working sound effects and everything else into the final uh, design of it. If you guys want to see the final Bose house of dragon piece, uh, go to my Instagram account at Mike or go to the Bose Instagram account, Um, and they're not a sponsor of the show. Um, and, um, check it out and you guys will see the craziness that we created over the course of the week. Um, I was proud of you on that gig, man. You came right on and you like, I think the power that you had Ian on that gig was that you instantly connected with the clients. They really liked you.
1: I mean, they were sick. They were awesome. Yeah. Kyle and, uh, Kyle and, uh. Natalie.
0: Yeah, they they hit this point where like I think in the beginning they were kind of teasing you for your things that you do, and then eventually you guys became friends. It was a good way to crack that because essentially you became sort of a, a liaison between me and them for a lot of stuff, which mm-hmm. was important. Um, but uh, yeah, dude, uh, it was pretty nuts. It was a cool. What did you think of the gig?
1: For my for the first job that I did since like moving out here i mean i moved and then a week later we were doing it um so that was awesome uh and the fact that we live close together means that you know we're able to prep and talk over these things and make sure that there aren't any and i mean i'm like a very anal ocd (laughs) kind of neurotic individual uh anyways so you know i was looking up like restaurants and stuff like that like Days in advance, like way, yes. way days in advance, and then you were like, Oh, we need this stuff. I'm like, I already have it done, <laughs> like, <laughs> I, like, I already thought of that. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I just wanted to, I just basically wanted to take off all the things that you two didn't need to be doing mm-hmm. in order for you to create what needed to to get done. And I mean, as it was like you were, you were shooting and then you were editing for two, like basically two days straight. Yeah. Uh, You know, and, and then like you said, you sent the two of us out to, to, to pick up what was left. Um, So I think that it's, pretty insane to me I think knowing like I mean I always feel like I'm not doing enough uh, in anything that I do but uh, <laughs> you did great. B- But but to be fair like regardless of what it is that I did or didn't do that was all stuff that you would have had to have done yourself yes. in addition to all of the other responsibilities that you had uh, for deliverables and for you know uh, like you said uh, interacting with the clients and stuff so if, if there wasn't someone to kind of not buffer, but like to kind of offset some of that attention, mm-hmm. you would have n- probably not had as as fluid of a time getting through what you needed to get through no,
0: no, not at all, dude, not at all, and I think that I think that's the power of uh you having worked with Gina, you having gone and d- doing done your corporate gig, and so you had this understanding of like how we work, but also an understanding of how to interact with clients. And you did a really good job making those things mix. So it was great. Um, And you're right. The, the thing that was interesting, the challenge that was interesting on this job was that they needed to have this thing shot and put out during Comic-Con. So we ended up going out there, what Thursday, I think we went out like Wednesday or Thursday, a few days before Comic-Con was really going Wednesday. Um, Shot for two days with the idea of have to, we had to release it on Saturday while Comic-Con was happening. And we had to have it out by three o'clock Pacific Standard Time. Um, So that kind of deadline was pretty fucking daunting. Um, And luckily, because of Charlie, ah, Charlie from uh, over at Mm Frame.io, listened to uh, my episode with Charlie Anderson. We talk about some of the new Frame.io stuff. And when we went to Cinegear this year, Charlie showed us Frame.io's new uh, uploading stuff, which is really cool. So what we ended up doing was installing Frame.io on our phones. Um, and I was also using a uh, Filmic Pro, the Filmic Pro app. Mm-hmm. In the Filmic Pro app, as you shoot, you can directly upload to Frame.io. So... Uh, right as you hit stop on your record, it'll immediately upload it right to Frame.io server, which then downloads it directly into my Premiere thing. So, hold on a sec. Gina, you're staring at us like a creep. What do you need? What's that?
1: I'm um, here. Uh, I mean, those those two applications made it so that the whole process was a lot more streamlined. And I think, in a lot of ways, it, like, put the client at ease too because they were able, you know, you didn't have to say, Oh, well there's stuff that we need yes, and I need to have them get it, bring it back to me, upload it, go through it. And then, yes. Uh, and then introduce it into what we're already working on. So yes. it, it, it made the, it made the process itself. Like I think that they were surprised by yes. it too. Cause it didn't seem like they had encountered that kind of no. immediate upload. And I mean, which like, is very professional, you know, yeah. it's, it's, it's a, it's, it's a good look. And, and it's also cool to introduce people to, you know, people who, who work with this kind of stuff all the time. I mean, they've done plenty and plenty and plenty of videos. Yes. So for you to be the first person to introduce them to this, like kind of new streamlining, if anything, you might've fucked over everyone afterwards, yeah, <laughs> but maybe. they just, they just have to, they'll have to live up to that.
0: Well, I mean, the reason I did it was that, uh, that was the only way I was able to turn around it as quickly as possible. And luckily because it was just for social media, um, we only had to shoot with 1080 in mind. And so the benefit of this thing is that it was able to upload a high quality H.264, 1080 stuff instantly. And using um, 5G, it was super fucking quick. So mm-hmm. even that in itself was fast. I think it was slower for me to download it in the hotel because the hotel's internet
1: sucked. Right. And also there were so many people at the comic con and at the event and everything that like all of the internet that wasn't directly connected to like a hotspot was just being sucked up by everyone else.
0: Yeah. So that was difficult, but um, it was awesome, dude. Like uh, I was able to take my uh, rough cut sound, which I had put together, which I'll post on my Instagram account. So you guys could see it. I was able to take my rough cut sound and then just sort of build it out. And I sat down with our creative director, Jess early on. And we sort of talked about, sort of the narrative that she wanted throughout the piece, the kind of shots that she wanted throughout the piece, uh, and we made it work. Hi, Gina. Hi. All over the place. How are you? I mean, the audience hears you in the background doing things, opening and slamming doors. We just yeah, want I you knew to- Do that
1: you guys were blocking the only way out of us. So we just want to, <laughs> you know,
0: we just want to introduce you to the audience <laughs> in the background. What are you doing? OK. <laughs> So anyway, um, yeah, it was super cool to uh, try out that stuff.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, without FrameIO, I don't think I would have been able to do it. And they're not a sponsor, guys. So without FrameIO, I don't think I would have been able to uh, to do it as quickly as we did. And then I was able to send you both out with the phones the second day and just go like, "Hey, we're missing this shot. We need a shot of the crowd." Because as I was doing my edit and talking with the creative director. But the producers, they'd go, "Hey, we really wish that this was here, so you guys were able to shoot it, and then instantly upload it to us, which was super cool."
1: I mean, if we if we hadn't had that process, like it would have. Uh, I'm just trying to imagine what what it actually would have looked like because we were, I you know, the the way that the event was situated was that only 12 people were in allowed in at a time, and it yeah. took about 18 to 20 minutes for each go through, and there was a line like around two blocks basically to get into this thing so i mean you do the math 12 times 20 time or you know uh, whatever times however many people that are there uh we and gina and i are two people so we got to a point where we were taking up two space two spots of of like this interactive experience and it got to a point where they were like you two are just going to go in after everyone else yeah. and, and you know you're not going to get to any more eggs and stuff like that <laughs> uh, and thanks but because we had the 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 technology you were able to see what we shot yes. and be like this is good yep. this is okay yep. as opposed to us bringing it to you hours and hours later you going through it and being like this is shit this is we're not going to be able to use this I need better audio yes. that, was an, that was a big thing that, that we got the, the next thing, day was like getting the audio of the man speaking
0: yeah because we tried out One of those. I'm not going to say what company it is, but we tried out like a an audio device, like a shotgun that actually fit on the phone, um, and that sucked. It kind of blew out. Luckily, uh, there's so many great audio tips and tools. Like I just used Audition and was able to uh, fix or repair the clipping that happened from it. Mm -hmm. Um, But um, yeah, it was pretty nuts, man. It was something liberating about just shooting with uh, iPhones and stabilizers, like if anything it was all in one bag which was awesome yeah everyone's we schlepping yeah there like, wasn't a shitload of cases of and gear. stuff yeah and then um the thing that I like about it is that I essentially made almost as much if not as as much as I would have made on a on a national television spot but I didn't have to go through the seven eight two week process of post-production because they had such a a, a, a rigorous deadline Mm -hmm. um it meant that i had to edit hard over those two days yeah um which i think it was funny to see the clients going like okay so you can stop i go no i can't stop i still have to do cut that
1: we're like feeding you in between like your your (laughs) editing so like you need to eat
0: (laughs) yeah yeah so i was working all night um but the thing i really liked about it what got me through it was that knowing that there was a hard there was a hard out Mm-hmm. And there was a hard deadline and everybody knew that there was a hard deadline so when we got feedback from the clients when we got notes from the clients they knew that there was a deadline and um it was great it was great normally if we had done like a larger commercial it would have been weeks and weeks of this and like back and forth and people sort of like dragging their heels and whether or not they want to give us the notes that they want or hey hbo now has these other notes but it was so nice t- to have that streamlined deadline and the whole production was streamlined so it was like doing a condensed commercial in production. Um, it was a lot of fun, dude. I needed it. It was no. like rejuvenating. I felt great. The clients fucking loved it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I think we're going to end up doing some more work with them in the future. Oh yeah. Um, and I enjoy this. It's like, it's almost like being like a, like a, like a Navy SEALs team where they like fucking fly you in and you do it super quick. You're good at your job and then you get out, You drink a lot of beers, you hang out with people mm-hmm. and then you're, then you're out. Wow, it was a great gig. And I think more gigs should be like that. And I think the reason I'm bringing this up is that as we sort of go into this new world of marketing and advertising, where us as filmmakers are so hyper-focused on our, our the legends that came before us, like I want to be a David Fincher and I want to be these larger directors, the game in the world is changing a lot and it's changing radically. And you can still do amazing work and you still can do fun work with these devices And the thing to keep in mind, and I'm going to be completely transparent here. Um, When Bose initially came to me, they came to me with a budget that was half of what I needed. And so I was able to prove to them that, like, hey, just because you're not using the larger gear doesn't mean that this should be this inexpensive. I still need to do a lot of days in prep. Um, I still need to have the staff around me and the crew around me to be able to pull this stuff off. And we need to have the ability to bring in specific technology for this. Um, So I was able to get twice the amount that they came to before. So there's a lot of you out there that are concerned about underbidding and going through the process of, of being competitive with your bids. I implore you to be honest with it. Be honest with how you bid things out. Don't be concerned about whether or not you're going to get the gig because you're too expensive or not. Be honest with them. These clients said yes, because they understood the honesty that I was giving them. They understood that this was going to cost more. I was able to outline it very specifically and simply for them where they went, yeah, no problem. We'll pay twice the amount of this because we could see the value in that. Um, Be smart about it. Don't be scared when you're pricing out your gigs um, because uh, you're going to undercut yourself. An example being, and I'm not saying that this is Bose. I'm not saying that this is any specific client, but I've had, I've sat in the room with creative directors and a creative director recently showed me a piece that I thought was a finished commercial and she showed me this piece and I was like, wow, it had CG, it had compositing, it had all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And I thought she was just showing it to me to like show off the ad that she had just worked on. And I was like, wow, that's pretty rad. She goes, yeah, that's spec. And I was like, what? She goes, yeah, they don't even have the job. That's spec. They did that for free. (laughs) They did that whole thing for free. And so (laughs) if you're a production company out there that does that, if you're uh, a freelancer out there that does that, let me just try to explain the look on the face when that creative director told me that there was like an eye roll and a smirk. And that is how you're labeled. So if you think that you're going to do something spec for a company and that company is going to then hire you to do larger things and bigger and better things, it's not the case at all you will always be labeled as the company that they can get to do stuff spec for free and that company that did something spec will probably get the job only because the larger place is unavailable or the larger place uh is slightly too expensive and so they'll just go with the spec person it's crazy and the problem with spec is that you then have a hard cost no matter what so you can't make any overages. you can't do anything beyond that Mm -hmm. it's tough it's dumb So I saw it happen again. I've seen this happen multiple times. and I saw it happen again recently with a company that I'm not going to tell you who it was. But I saw that and I was like, man, what a dumb decision. And not only is it a bad decision for the production company to do something like that because you're going to be labeled that way, but it's also a bad decision for our industry because you're just downgrading the value. So now that company is now expecting everybody to do that kind of thing.
1: I mean, that's just like the issue with like competitive and like a competitive industry in itself is like, you know, I, I see people on forums and things that are shitting on, on like hungry photographers, filmmakers, producers, whatever, who are taking jobs for less money. Mm-hmm. And they're like, you're the problem. Like it's because you're taking these jobs in the first place that people think that this is what they can, can charge or or what they'll pay but it's just not that simple like you know some people need to work you know like they need to put food on their table and so again in the end it's the it's the clients it's the 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 companies that are that are putting forth this kind of... they
0: preying on their pre- ex- Exactly. Essentially. Ab-
1: absolutely. Essentially. Absolutely.
0: And if you understand that, you know that sort of thing, and you bring up a valid point, like there are people that are in dire straits and dire situations. I would also say to those folks, why are you in dire straits and why are you in dire situations? Sure. Have you been planning your stuff out correctly? Are you expecting this to be something more? Uh, I recently uh, was exposed to a company that does lyric videos for music videos. Mm. Now... N- you you guys know what I'm talking about, right? So like, if if you search on YouTube and you want to listen to like the latest Billie Eilish song, um, you may find an official lyric video, which is essentially usually just stills and like some animated fucking text official that runs over the screen, that kind of thing. Let me explain to you how that works. So the record label makes money on however many thousands of hits. I forget the price breakdown, but at like a hundred thousand hits equals a certain amount of money. It's a moneymaker. And there hit a point in time where fans were making lyric videos and fans were getting the traffic. Fans were getting the money on these lyric videos. Can't have that. And so the label sort of stepped in and they went, okay. So nowadays when you're hired by a label to do, you may get hired by a label. They may try to package it where they're like, hey, we want to do a music video and a couple lyric videos. Um, The lyric videos oftentimes are more successful than the music videos. Mm -hmm oftentimes and at the end of the day you're at the whim of how good the track is it's really it you're at the whim of how good the song is and lyric videos are used for multiple other reasons maybe people have like at home karaoke units maybe people are just trying to learn the lyrics for the song so they make <laughs> i've seen them make more money on lyric videos than they do on the music videos so when you are talking to a label and the label goes uh, oh, we're just going to give you like five hundred dollars to do a lyric video understand that that label could be making 10 times that amount just on views. Mm -hmm. And so um, I've done lyric videos for uh, companies and I give them prices where I go, look, I understand how much you potentially will make. I do the research on their other lyric videos online. I see the numbers, I run the numbers and I go, okay, realistically, this should only cost you, you know, a fourth or not even to that point. Uh, so that you can make at least three times that amount back. So here's how much this would cost. Maybe this costs $4,000 to do a lyric video. Maybe this costs $8,000 to do a layered video, a layered radio, depending upon the artist and what they're doing. There's a company out there of, do of, of, like, a, like it's just a guy. I don't want to say who it is. Uh, but he literally does them super fucking cheap, and he just packages them together, and he like brags about the fact that he gets all these lyric videos, and he does them for nothing. And he thinks he's hot shit. He thinks he's running a great company. But at the end of the day, when you talk to the labels and you talk to the reps, they just laugh at him. Mm. So what are you doing? That, that's what I'm saying. So, I, And I know that there aren't enough people out there that are telling you this stuff, like how many other podcasts do you listen to or YouTube channels where people are bragging about the gear that they're using that are actually giving you guys this insight? I'm telling you what I witness. I'm telling you what I see. I'm telling you what the issues are. So when you talk about older, saltier photographers, they don't even know what the issues are. They're just upset because they think the younger guys are taking their jobs because they're underbidding them. Mm-hmm. That photographer should actually change the way that they price things out based upon the income that's happening for those folks so that you are being realistic about it. You're not just saying, as an old person, like, this is how much I get per day. You actually sit there and you go, how much is this, how much is this artist going to make? How much is this company going to make on my photographs? Mm-hmm. And then pricing it adequately based upon that. Maybe you aren't uh, selling them the entire uh, bundle of photographs. Maybe you're just like, hey, I know that you're a startup, so I'll give you, uh, I'll do a shoot, I'll capture a bunch of stuff, And in this price, you have the licensing for four images to use on the web. You can always come back and buy more from it. There are a bunch of ways to make it fair, to make it feel like you're still making money up for your time and your energy. And if you're dealing with a company like you were dealing with, Hmm. there should be a, a period of time where you're getting benefits from the company, whether it's shares in the company, whether it's the ability to make money as the company becomes more successful.
1: Oh, I was supposed to, I was supposed to be getting shares. Uh-huh. Like that was, that was one of the promises from the very beginning. Like work? Did I didn't fucking get any shares. Yeah, like, I, I mean, I think uh, to be fair, I mean, uh, I also did not sign the part of the reason that I was able to leave with, you know, no real like ramifications was I didn't sign shit. Uh, I did not sign a contract. Uh-huh. Uh, pretty much everyone else in the company, <laughs> ended up signing a contract and a few people signed it without even reading it Oh my and God. there was yeah without even reading it and it wasn't even that long it was like a two or three page two three four page contract and they had like non-competes in it and like non-disclosures and all this stuff and i basically i i went to the the boss the ceo at the time and i i refused to sign it because they couldn't fire me like they couldn't they couldn't stand to. Little. When I gave when I left that company, I gave them two and a half months' notice. Yeah, because I didn't want to screw them over. You know, I was like still trying to sure. to do nice things for them. But like, yeah, I did not sign anything. And so, if you're in that position and like you know that you're pretty indispensable, and someone tries to get you to sign something think about not signing it <laughs> because, yeah, yeah. because uh, in the end it's, there's only two options. Either you don't sign it and they fire you or you do sign it and you're, you're, you have shackles on you. Yeah. Yeah. Always read your contracts.
0: Always read your contracts. <laughs> and here's another piece of advice. The last thing I'm going to give you guys, cause I think we're hitting the end of this. Uh, this is good. It's like a two hour episode today. Oh, um, the other thing I would tell you is, The benefit of becoming friends with people that work in this business, the benefit of creating your own trusted circle of pals, um, and people become friends with people that have been doing this longer than you, because then you can always call them up. I've got a circle of friends where I'll call them up before I put together a rate. Cause sometimes you feel that imposter syndrome. You're like, I've never done this before. Is this something that I, how much do I charge for this? Am
1: I worth this?
0: Am I worth this? (laughs) You're having the ability to call other director friends or other producer friends or other filmmaker or other photographer friends and say, hey, what would you charge for this? What would you charge? That is always helpful. And if you're honest with them when they call and they're honest with you, then you guys can be set in the playing field. And realistically, you can rely on someone else's experiences at that point to say, like, hey, I've done a bunch of different commercials. This should be $20,000 a day or this should be $15,000 a day for you to do this. Um, And it works. It really does work. And so uh, I'm opening up my uh, Instagram. If you guys have questions on stuff, I try to keep up with the messages. Oftentimes I get flooded with them. But uh, if you guys have questions on what you should charge for things, feel free to ask. Um, I'm sure you can ask anybody that's been a guest on our show. If you find them on Instagram, you can ask them as well. Um, And uh, you know, be smart about how you price things out. Because if you do it right, you can do a fun job like I just did. I was able to hire Ian. I was able to hire Gina. We went on a trip. We had a lot of beers. We shot for a couple of days, and I feel good about my stuff. Scotch eggs. Yeah, he had some Scotch eggs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, well, that's it, man. What do you think, Ian? First time on the show.
1: Uh, honestly, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't think that it was. A, going to happen this quickly, and I also thought that, I like, I thought that it would be you, me, and Gina, and that, like, I would just be in a side, but this is, like, I am the guest, I guess. Yeah, okay, so, you are. Um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm just super grateful to have people like you. Thanks, bro. Um, And Gina, and... We,
0: we love you, too, buddy.
1: Yeah, uh, I, I wouldn't... I would not have been able to do this kind of life upheaval without, without the kind of support that you guys give. So, um... So yeah, uh, and I guess to anyone out there who you know like again wants to like be befriend or or get into you know these kinds of creative groups, um, don't don't try like necessarily like you know put, put yourself out there, go for opportunities, get on Craigslist. Uh, <laughs> of, you know, I mean <laughs> it, Craigslist Craigslist has worked out great for me in my life, um, but just be be kind be supportive anticipate people's needs uh don't be any in anyone's way but also like don't put yourself down like cut yourself some fucking slack like it's it's hard out there and uh and and yeah just uh be be what the project and be what the people around you need you to be and they no one can ask any more of you than that so that's it